0: Show real quick, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Free and flown Mr. Dwayne Atkins. I'm rotating third, Freddie Serrano was here today. We got a great show for y'all coming up today during the show. We talk about uh, just catching up with the boys. You're gonna be hearing a lot of content from us in the next couple of weeks. Um, be back at it weekly. It took a little bit of hiatus. Mr. Dwayne Atkins was it actually started a family. Him and his wife welcomed their first child into this world. Mr. Freddie Serrano working it for a government agency killing the internship game, but we're back. You'll have us back in your ear weekly. Check us out, iTunes, Spotify. We're here today. We talk about the vaccine mandate, how we feel about it, what we're looking at. And you get hear, you can hear the, myself and the guy's perspective. You know, Dwayne and Freddie both give their take on it and their experiences and how they believe. I went on some random study rant, but you know what? I hope I drew you in. Next, we talk about a little bit about the January 6th riots and talking about, the systemic problems facing America, systemic racism. Um, you know, Dwayne and Freddie both give a great account about their experiences from their perspectives. I tried to jump in a little bit with mine. A lot of listening, a lot of good conversations. And a, a big high note, make sure you wait till the end. Dwayne had a, had a fantastic take. Make sure you stick to the end. Check us out. Thank y'all. We love y'all. Looking forward for hearing from y'all weekly. Hope y'all enjoy the show. All right. So, so I right now I'm hanging out at the beach, man. We got away for the week. The girlfriend and I did. We're up here at Moorhead City. Where are y'all coming out of today? I am from,
1: I am all up in Durham right now in the Bull City.
0: Yeah. How's the kids? How's the uh, new kid doing? Kiddo's
1: doing good. She's getting big. She's a boss baby. She's just kicking ass, taking names. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah she's in daycare she just graduated from daddy daycare
0: oh yeah how old is she's, she now she is four months
1: Yep, yeah. she graduated from daddy daycare top of her class has I she was...
0: uh gotten the first word yet
1: uh no no i think it'll be like dada or something
0: at least i'll say it's dada, you know, something. It might not be dada. something with dad i'll be alive with is <laughs> not that's awesome man fred how are you doing bud
2: Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, just turned in my assignment for my, one of my internships. Yeah.
0: mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you how the internship paper went.
2: It went, it went for the listeners. Uh, you can't see my facial expression, but it's essentially a sarcastic smile.
0: Yeah, man. I know you've been working on that for a while. What last three months really working with that government agency.
2: Yeah. Let's go with that.
0: I know man I know yeah I did I turned in my uh, law school final writing seminar paper the other day and I I thought that paper was going to be into me Dwayne Freddie came in Ooh. from deep and pulled the clutches move of 2021 um, came in and actually was able to do a peer review for me at the last second so it was wow. perfect got it done and uh, yeah man finally turned that joker in definitely contributed to my alcoholism the next week so it's, uh, <laughs> it's been good but yeah, guys, welcome to Free and Flown. with Mr. Dwayne Atkins, rotating third. Freddie Serrano, co-host here. Um, yeah. My name's Clay Davis. I am the co-host alongside Mr. Dwayne Atkins. Um, so, Dwayne, man, what's uh, what's been going on these last couple of weeks? What have you seen in the news? And what's going on in your life in general, man, as we jump back into things with the podcast? Dude,
1: dude yeah, life, man. So, work for Duke University. Well, I like I said, I work for a local um, nonprofit university, uh, but – we are looking to open up campus. Um, things were kind of rocking and rolling, and then this darn Delta variant is kind of putting a, putting things at a standstill. <clears throat> but they are requiring students that live on campus to be vaccinated. I know that's a whole different subject right there. Um, and then, as far as personal, just taking care of the missus, taking care of the little one. Um, as far as the news. Things to me have been really quiet. I think this this administration is just so quiet, and things are just really quiet. I do appreciate that. I think there was a lot of noise, um, from from the years from last year, and so I think it's just kind of good just to kind of just relax a little bit politically, um, and that's that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you. I know you were talking about a little bit about the university that you work for, and requiring the vaccine. Do you know how they're mandating that? Are they just having them drop it into their online student portal, or are they actually making students show their vaccination card? Do you know? I think they're making
1: students show their vaccination cards, and those cards are getting up, uploaded.
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Because I know for us at North Carolina Central University, um, I know we're gonna. I'm not quite sure about the requirement. Yet, I do know that the school of government, excuse me, the North Carolina school, uh, university school system is making us potentially. Central hasn't released an official statement, but they're making us upload if we'd like to register with school um, our vaccination record. Freddie, I don't know if you've heard any different. Uh,
2: yeah, so I'm in the middle of both worlds uh, with this nonprofit school and with the University of North Carolina system. Um, So one is mandated, and what they did for us is take a picture, send it off through their email chain. With uh, our school, at least the one in the UNC system, I turned mine in uh, by uploading my vaccination card. It was pretty straightforward. And it's from now, I think it's voluntary. Um, Otherwise, you have to get tested weekly. You have to do all that fun stuff. And quite personally, I'd, I'd rather just show that I'm vaccinated, not have to worry about the testing.
0: Yeah, I for me at this point, I know that I. I, you know I've been vaccinated for about four months now, and just looking at it from where, <laughs> where we are as a society now, being able to just have those vaccination cards is pretty clutch, I, I will say. And uh, the only thing that sucks, dude, for me is that I was at the beach with my friends one weekend, and Lord be- behold, we're sitting there. Our, I got my wallet in one of my seats, which was a dumb move all of a sudden the high tide got it dude so like my vaccination card like disintegrated i don't have one anymore so i am going to have to figure it out I'll probably contact the cdc or um contact the university to get a new card but yeah man it's it's going to be an interesting year trying to get that i um i was listening to something the other day actually about the covid vaccine and they were talking about how um there's actually a debate it's between it was between charlie kirk who's He's the head of some, you know, quote unquote, nonpartisan organization called Turning Point, which usually leans more right. Um, I know they're pretty terrible. <laughs> um, I, I know I was a member in undergrad before I saw the light. Um, and then it was between uh, Voss, who's uh, actually a YouTuber slash gamer. So he's very involved in the political atmosphere. I, I encourage anyone to check it out. It's It was on the Tim Dillon show or some Tim something, the TI show. I don't know. I don't recommend the main show, but the debate was pretty interesting. I, I definitely recommend anyone checking it out. But they were talking about vaccinations during that show. And they were talking about how the difference between the three vaccines and just debating on whether they should be required or not. And I don't know. It's, it's interesting when you look at the, um, the optics behind each vaccine and the experimental, because they're still categorized as experimental medicine, but there's also studies out there that show it's being highly effective. So, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting going into the fall. See once that FDA study gets pushed forward. Hmm. Yeah. So, have you guys um, been reading up on it at all? Have you guys heard anything? Or is it just like right now we're, we're already vaccinated, take it as we go?
1: I think I saw something about it. you talking about that, that's like approved CDC shot, FDA shot that they're doing.
0: Yeah. So, apparently, there is an FDA study that is out there on the vaccines themselves. It just, it's just not finished at this point. Um, it's something we can see in the future, so hopefully it gets FDA hmm. certified um, or approved, whatever, if it may. But thankfully, um, looks like things are going good, man, honestly. So I, I don't have a problem with it getting – being. but that's interesting. That kind of just bring the question. Um, I know the Supreme Court in 1904 did make – vaccine mandates legal so it is Mm. an individual rights thing but where do we stand on that like is that something that should be an individual right that we should be allowed to choose or is it something at this point you know a mandate's okay where do you guys stand on that
1: i'm gonna jump in real quick (laughs) so this is where i'm at this is what i believe and I think I talked about this in one of my public one of my public health classes. And we did talk about something like that. So, like for me, something that is so contagious, I think something that is a risk, something that has such a risk to um public health. I think that there should be a mandate. And then a choice, I guess you can really can't take away choice, but it's like you got to mandate that that vaccine but if it's something where it's like this is um more behavioral so some some things leading to maybe some um some of your um commu- was it non-communicable diseases or like sexually transmitted diseases where it's more behavior based where it's like yeah it's a it is a threat to public health but like if we can curb people's behaviors maybe we don't need to vaccinate people but something like i guess what we're dealing with now it's very contagious and it's not something where people it's like the the behaviors that are creating um, cases are like common behaviors. People talking to people, people just being around each other. Like those are just natural things. But when it comes to like some like like some sexual behaviors, like there are kind of just limits on that. I hope I'm, what I'm saying is making sense. Yeah, that's where I'm at. So
2: I originally was. I didn't think that mandates would be super popular, and I personally was kind of on the edge about vaccination mandates um, happening, like whether or not I supported it. Um, But as we move on, as we get more variants and as people are becoming more and more like just, I guess, sinisterly, um, you know, anti-vaccine and not so much a hesitancy issue, but uh, no way, Jose, I'm not doing this vaccine because I don't want to because big brother government is, you know, X, Y, Z. Like mm. that, you know, it, it'd be one thing if it only affected that individual, um, but Dwayne, like you said, it affects everyone. Like you can get it doing normal everyday activities. Mm-hmm. So if at the state and local levels, um, our political leaders decide uh, we need to start mandating vaccines, then, hey, that's their prerogative. I'm not going to be opposed to it anymore because people want to ignore the science and it's hurting everyone else.
0: Yeah. 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 And a little bit of history on that. In 1904, the Supreme Court held in Jacobson v. Massachusetts, actually, that issue, right? Um, in that case, the court held that it is the state's police powers to allow mandatory vaccination or compulsory, um, compulsory vaccination mandates. That's, that is constitutional. And the basis of it was just public health is a grave concern of the government, the state specifically, and that they should be allowed to do that. It's not arbitrary. It's not oppressive. I don't know where I stand exactly on it being arbitrary. No, it being oppressive. no, but I it seems to be that the law is pretty clear on that, and I do like that it limits it 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 limits it to the states. I I do like that. I like that every state can mandate, not the federal government in general. Um, that kind of makes my um the individual rights side of me saying, okay, that's that seems a little bit logical if we make we keep it to the states. But what we're seeing is states like New York with the vaccine uh passports and whatnot. Uh, have you all heard anything about that, or is that something that we're just um, that you're kind of here for the first time here on this podcast.
2: A vaccine passport? I haven't heard that. Yeah, so, was,
0: yeah go ahead, okay. Freddie.
2: Uh, I was just going to say, so, yeah, it was the city of New York, uh, New York City That's that right. created a vaccine. It wasn't even a mandate. It was actually, it, in my opinion, it was pretty strategic and smart the way they did it. So anyone not vaccinated uh, would not be allowed in a restaurant gym or any other public facility in New York so you still have ultimately your right to not get the vaccine however you can't participate in things that uh, we all uh, tend to enjoy and take for granted because you're not vaccinated and thus you're putting everyone else at risk so I think I mean I think it's a smart move
0: yeah I I think moving forward this is something that's not going away and that it's going to I wonder if we see another Supreme Court case moving forward, but I, I think at this point the mandatory vaccinations within the states individually, I, I think I understand that. And I think it's fine from that point. Um, did you all hear anything in these last couple of weeks about uh, the January six testimonies with the officers? Did you all watch that at all from the Senate?
1: I didn't watch from the Senate, but I heard some of the testimonies. Like, dude, some of that shit, some of that shit is crazy, man. And there there, there were a couple more suicides. Like like some officers recently like took them live, took their lives, I believe. Dude, that shit is crazy. Like hearing some of the things that, that were said to them um while they're defending the Capitol, which I don't know why you have to defend the Capitol, but um a public building. But yeah, it was it, dude, it was crazy, man. You know, people being called racial slurs and people, you know, going back and forth about who they voted for. It was just
2: it's crazy. Yeah, I heard about that. Um I, I tried not to pay too much attention because uh too, you get too into the news and it, it becomes not so good for your health. But I did hear um the some you know um, bits and pieces of the testimony and man, that that was some serious stuff. Um I, I especially heard that one officer who did mention um being called uh, racial slurs and I was like that is insane and obviously not not okay under any circumstance
0: yeah man it was it was nuts because when you saw the testimony itself they were talking about how um the country that they fought for and the people they were fighting for to defend you know why are these the same people that are you know, now denouncing us. And so it's really interesting that we see that from January 6th, we see the uproar of what the far right looks like. And for me, that was something that's really interesting, man, because you, you hear the talk a lot about um, how, what should we do? Should we abolish or should we, the abolition movement, which is, should we abolish the current structures? How do we address systemic racism and systemic problems in the country? And usually you'll have the argument for the abolition or the restructuring of current systems in favor of those who have been traditionally oppressed. And for me, January 6th was something that was very scary in a sense that you had people that when we tried to do something in our current system and they didn't agree with it, they almost felt like they were on the same level as individuals who were fighting for the country, but for the real quote unquote America. And to me, that is the scariest thing. Um, that is a scary thing that these people became, these terrorists almost had the view of them being freedom fighters for the current constitution. Hmm.
1: Um, it, it does make me think where, where there was a point in the country where the parts of government buildings were seized, and and people felt the need to overpower the government, and it, and it does it does make you think. It doesn't for me. It makes me think like how how vulnerable are we in as, you know, as a society? If our our working processes, you know, how vulnerable are they? Um, And for those that do follow democracy, like how do you feel? Do you feel like because, and we talked about this in class, just because things are a right, doesn't mean they're right. You know, you think about voter rights, you know, it was illegal for people of color, women to not vote, that was a law, but it didn't make it right though. And so just kind of, this is me just kind of like playing devil's advocate a little bit, but it's just almost like, do we trust our systems that are in place, our political systems, our voting systems, our systems that we that are set that we can exercise our voice, or when we're so um, when we're so you know, pissed off or enraged about a decision, do we, you know, just start knocking down stuff? Do we just start invading buildings and public spaces? Huh?
0: Yeah.
1: Sorry, that was just me just playing devil's advocate.
0: No, I mean, it was interesting because you looked at it from the rhetoric that was being spoken. You know, guys were talking about it in the crowd. I watched the New York Times documentary on the January 6th riot and the insurrection, rather. And <laughs> you had guys that were talking about how they backed the blue for so long and now they mm-hmm. want the blue to join them because they're aiding a tyrannical government. when the government that they're fighting is a democracy um and claiming it to be tyrannical which is the same rights that they want to hold dear to themselves as individuals so uh, it was very contradictory he didn't really quite understand it and hearing the officer's testimony about it was something that made it that much more real and i can't imagine what it was like for those officers that were people of color that had to hear it on both ends you know i can't imagine
2: So, to an earlier question about do do we trust the systems in place to to hold steady, uh, when democracy is being tested, um, and Clay, we talked about some of this, um, in prior conversations outside of the pod.
0: Oh um, yeah, very very <laughs> much alcohol fueled at a bar in Durham with a very yeah. very knowledgeable group. It was great, man. We had a blast it, it, doing it, but man, it I was
2: phenomenal. Damn, and, no
0: invite. Bro, oh, God, whoa, whoa, whoa. Bro, we'll we'll make it happen when we get back. We'll dude. dude, I was I was very, very drunk off some whiskey <laughs> drink, man. I was feeling passionate and like, dude, we had a great time, but we'll get after it, man, next time. But yeah, Freddie, please go on. I just wanted us to have to talk a little bit about the surrounding circumstances of that very oh. passionate off-air conversation.
2: Of, of course, of course. And
0: <laughs> and I
2: thought like you know, those conversations stick with me because they're very important um, to hear uh, people's opinions on things, even if you don't agree. Um, And one of the areas where I don't agree is starting all over, dismantle the whole thing and, you know, call it a day and, and rebuild. Here's the thing, though. Um, That very sentiment of wanting to dismantle what's there, um, you know, the oppressive systems that be, um, that very system also prevents uh, guys like the January 6th domestic terrorists that we had from, you know, completely overtaking everything. So, and, it you know, call it what it is. It is domestic terrorism that happened on January 6th. And domestic terrorism is a much greater threat than any other forms of terrorism that people uh, will otherwise think is a threat in our country. Um, And it is unfortunate that it is that way. But ultimately, that's why I'm not very pro dismantle, restructure, and rebuild. I'm very pro uh, let's keep what we have, because even though it does not yield the greatest results for Uh, true justice, it ultimately does a damn good job at preventing true oppression.
0: I I think it's just great that one day, at least I would like to work towards, you know, where it says all men are created equal, that to include all people and actually mean it, you know, all equal protection of the laws shall not be deprived of all the privileges and immunities of the United States Constitution. I want that to mean, you know, people of color at all levels including systemically you know I want that to be equality there and I want there to be you know lgbtq rights I want that to be another thing that is under all men are men and people are created equally I want that to fall under those words and I think that's where we can keep and kind of churn the system in a way that is more uplifting than rep- oppressive which it's traditionally been oppressive to people in marginalized communities and and I definitely believe that that's possible in this generation. I really do. Um, I guess the counter argument is always when we trace the roots back of the system, are we too far gone in a sense of how this is served predominantly white men? And are we too far gone in the system where it's been almost engraved into injustice? Is the counterpoint to that? Is it almost ingrained? Mm-hmm.
2: I think, I think it's a fair and very valid point. And I I personally get those frustrations, I do. Um, <clears throat> it's just, you, you have to think, um, hypothetically, if we were to re- completely redo the Constitution, redo everything, do what I personally want someone like Mitch McConnell to determine what goes in that document, if we have to start completely from scratch? Do I want a Marjorie Taylor Greene or a Donald J. Trump to determine what goes in that document that will govern, that will supposedly govern the next 200 to 300 years of this hypothetical new society?
0: And I think it's just almost like a utopian view. I mean, I I get called a utopist all the time, you know, that my view on a socialized safety net and but on embracing capitalistic principles for all people eventually to some point to when we can overcome the systemic inequalities through representation of people in marginalized, traditionally marginalized and oppressed communities. When we dedicate rights to black and rights, excuse me, dedicate funding to black and Brown communities um, and businesses. So we can further strengthen those communities. I think when we start there and then we use proactive government programming and proactive taxing, I think we can get to a way where almost individualism is more promoted when these basic rights are not something that are, taboo rather it's not a basic right to have be able to afford housing i mean excuse me it's not taboo to be able to afford housing you know it's a majority right majority of people are able to do it and it's not an issue for these people um of a potential community that's traditionally not had wealth in their family to be able to uh, become an entrepreneur i think that that when we get to that day that's when we can make the argument for okay well now we have the socialized safety net and the system now is working in our favor but I get called a utopian for that because that's presuming all things perfect under the current system. However, I'll stay on my utopian and fight for it. <laughs> I don't know. That's just where I stand on the whole reconstitutionalization because I feel as though you're almost giving those people a reason to fight the, the, the far right. That's what it looks like. They almost feel like the freedom fighter. And that's how, if we take the document that they believe this country was built on, which I mean, obviously was, you're almost indoctrinating a new civil war, if you will. So that's what's interesting to me about the ab- abolition argument.
1: Hmm. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about that. I must, I must be behind the times. But I, um, well, where I'm at though is so when we, if we do. Like you said, we do abolish the, the constitution, and then you know we re, we rewrite it. In in two hundred years, I believe there's going to be groups of people, ideologies that won't be written in. Um. It. And then people, you know, and I think I think the saying, you know, the foundation, you know, you can't fix the house, you got to go fix the foundation, and I do think it is a foundation thing, but I think we just need to like examine the. Like really, really look at the foundation, um, and it is, it is, it is, it is wild to think that you had to write, you know, women and black and brown people into the law <laughs> to be a part, <laughs> to be a part of the law. So if we weren't a part of the law, that means we're outlaws. We're outlaws regardless. So, <laughs> you know, how can we? We're always going to be outlaws, and we're not written up. We're not a part of the law. So I, I, I think for me. It, it's it's like do you even write do you write a whole separate constitution for marginalized people and just say hey this was the found this was the foundation but no we have you you have your own set of set of laws I guess it's like separate it's like separatism and stuff I I don't know
0: yeah I guess I guess for me where I look at I, I see what you're saying because I have so much. So many people and classes not being included in the original doctrination of the Constitution definitely poses a problem, and I think it allowed for, in my opinion, just as a someone a person of privilege, um, I have to acknowledge that that it is it's easier for me to talk about this than other people because I haven't had to experience the negative side of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but just from the outside, from an outsider looking in, studying it, it, it just looks like that this started with it. it Progressively throughout history, there's been written progress, right? There's been stuff that's been written on paper that says that these people are equal rights. You know, civil rights movement happened first time on paper that we're saying that no one can be discriminated against, boom. Emancipation Proclamation, there was an end of slavery, boom, right? But I feel as though there's also been inner systemic law that has also been written, but also construed such as restrictive covenants and housing that prevented black and brown people from obtaining housing. Um, you see other written rights that need to be overturned. Mm-hmm. And I think if we overturn and ban certain legislation, you know, Jim Crow is banned, but then you have the voting rights. Now voting right issues that have plagued black and brown communities from voting and equally um, elections, such as their polling places, such as early voting when you have sick and elderly who it's just it, I definitely see the systemic argument and I definitely see how I can see how those people will argue for the abolition of the system, but I also believe speaking as a perfect you know, someone who um personal privilege that I think we could also overturn the, the bad and get something good on paper for equal quality. I don't I, I, that's that's where I stand. Freddie, what what do you think?
2: Well, I was thinking more of a question. You think we can do that? uh with the lay of the land with the foundation um for lack of a better word um that we have now
0: so i i guess for me i i do i think that pro with the current landmark of the sem the senate and the house i think we can pass progressive legislation through that could include or that will include traditionally marginalized communities and where we need to get back on is in the local communities, getting the right people in power locally to put resources in, you know, black and brown communities and underprivileged communities, get the right people at the table. And it's gonna take a it's gonna take, you know, people stepping back and understanding that sometimes their representation is needed, people like me saying, maybe my voice isn't the one that needs to be be lifted up the most at this moment in this community, because the majority of this community doesn't look like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) how can i and 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 i think that that is something that is going to have to happen i think that a lot of progressive a lot of progressive court cases we've seen come through they're going to need to keep solidifying individual rights at the the highest court and they're going to need to it's and it's going to come down to states i believe um i do think it's going to come down to ultimately states and getting the right people at the state and local level and i think it's the national level is over highlighted. The federal government is over highlighted. I think it begins at the state and the federal government um, essentially supports and provides the extra l- layer of ind- uh, protection of rights or funding. So I think with this current system, I believe personally we can. It is going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of active, active work by people. But again, that's me speaking from my position. And I don't know the personal struggles of people from other communities that may see it differently. I don't, have to, I don't live that reality.
1: I, for me, this is maybe a little, a little bit deeper, maybe a little left, the, the thinking, like to the left. But I think, we, I think we have to, a lot of times what I've seen is like, there's still like the white narrative. So it's like we create these things, and we have people like that are privileged, and it's like, oh, this is the new thing we're gonna do. We're we're you know, we're over this. Um, and and I think there <clears throat> there's some things where it's like it's it's good to have people that understand that things have been marginalized, that things need to change. But if you're still putting that majority narrative to it. It still doesn't help the situation, so you have to have minorities talking about minority issues and be over those minority issues. I faced that, um, at work with an incident. There was a person that was, um, a person that was in a majority group that was talking about you know social justice and and and, and, and like Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. And I'm like, as a Black person, like, I don't want to talk to somebody white, I don't have to justify Black Lives Matter to somebody that's in the in the privilege. And it's like, you can't. You, you can't be able to, over that narrative. And so now we have these hot button issues and it's like we have, we have to still have this white narrative attached to it. And it's like, let the people who are experiencing these things be in control of that narrative. And we're going to tell you and they're going to tell you how that situation works. Um, that's, that, that, that makes sense. I think I went a little left with that. But I think I think it is I think it is it's still a system, systemic thing and people that are in power are still trying to be in power. And it's like, oh, we'll change it. We'll talk about, we'll talk about red line and we'll talk about, you know, black and brown issues but we're gonna be in a conversation and we're gonna let you know how the conversation is gonna go. Does it still make sense? It's like still trying to control that. It's still trying to have that power. Like you have to relinquish it all and let these marginalized groups say how they wanna be represented and tell you how they wanna be represented. Cause it's even the, the terminology, you know, it's like, you know, talk about people talk about food insecurity. It's like hot button issues, but it's like, if you're not a part of that community, the people that are, that are really, really experienced at food insecurity should be the ones that are, um, you know, advocating for themselves. So that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, I think that, I think that's definitely a fair point to say. Um, Freddie, it looks like you, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I think I jumped over you. My bad.
2: Yeah, no, that, um, I share, I, well, I, w- I will say this, um, I've seen my, I have my own perspective on things, and um, I see some overlap in what you're saying, Dwayne, 110%, because um, there, there have been situations where I'm thinking to myself, you know, this person in, in this uh, position of power or position of privilege can't just say this is how we're going to run things for the people who are not in the positions of privilege like no we reel it back um those communities most affected are the ones that are the, supposed to be um running the show and letting you know how
0: uh things are supposed to be run so 100 percent agree Dwayne. You you know, yeah i was gonna say i was gonna ask we i heard a quote on a podcast um, one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite YouTube channels is called channel five news. It's a guy, I forget his last name, but the guy, the guy names Austin and, um, I might even have his first name wrong, but he goes to all these events and he interviews people on the spot. He wears a brown suit. He used to run all gas, no breaks. Highly recommend you guys check out channel five news, um, mm-hmm. on YouTube. He attends a bunch of different events and just interviews people. And it's one of the most well done channels. Anyways, he was interviewed on a. His name's Andrew. He was interviewed on a other podcast um, called The Majority Report. And on The Majority Report, he um, he stated, he said, "Man, I've seen a lot of far right people, like the Proud Boys, and they're a problem. I've seen a lot of Trump supporters, and they're also the problem. But I think also on the left, there's also a problem. And I think the biggest problem is you have people." in these downtown gentrified apartments with pride flags and black Lives matter flags, but th- they're just as dangerous in their own way because of the effect they're having on the community yet wanting to be a part of the right narrative in a sense that they want to help, but they're, they're almost taking away land from people who, you know, mm-hmm. traditionally have lived there. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: that that's an amazing point. And I think, be, I think you're really hitting on what I'm saying is like, I think, People are trying to help, or think they're helping, but not necessarily helping. And, and, and the, you know people jump on things, and it's and it's such this, this intense culture, and it's like we're woke. Um, but I feel like I well you know I ask people where are you waking up at, you know, like make sure you're creating that way, you know, and don't just lead people there. Like if you're gonna you know, if you, if you're for the cause and helping these people, just don't leave them there. Let them go, if you do lead them there, if you are helping, like, all right, you know, get out the way, I'll let y'all, you know, I, <clears throat> I made that way for y'all, but I, it's almost like, is it a smack in the face when you do have these, the, you know, your different um, flags and, and and bumper stickers, but then you're also in a space where you're taken away from people, you are you know, <clears throat> you're in some of these gentrific- gentrified areas, and you're, are you are you really helping, the, are you really helping the cause? Um, yeah, you really have to look at it. You really, really, really have to look at it. And so, you know, and that's why I'm looking at it too from from my lens, It's like if I'm really gonna be in a cause, am I in the way of this cause? How am I, how am I helping people? Um, but also, you know, getting them there, but make sure I'm getting out of the way. And and then too, you know, I'm all about integrity. Do you really need to have your your um your brownie points? Do people need to know everything you're doing? I think that was my, my last point. I think we might be wrapping up.
2: Yep, that sounds about right.
1: All right. Well, this was, a again, another awesome-ass conversation. I think next we're going to have a special guest,
0: I think. Yeah, next week my buddy Ben's coming. He's a okay. gamer that's been politically active and been involved in the community. they able to make a difference. And we're going to explore the area of gaming. So we'll check that out next week.
1: All right, y'all. Well, y'all keep the drinks. Keep it free and flowing, y'all. We'll